We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in possible. Who you do business with is more important than where they're located. Bank from the comfort of your own home with M-Prize Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory Podcast with Ken Swanson, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane. Coming to you on the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City. You can find all of our channels covering all the local teams wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Just search KCSN. And now, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the KC Laboratory, brought to you by Emprise Bank, member FDIC. I am here taking over for our good pal, Ken. It's the holidays. Everybody's kind of got their own thing going on, traveling places, doing all sorts of fun stuff like that. But I am joined by my pal, who we did not get to talk to during the post-game show this past week, Maddie Lane. Maddie, my friend. You've had a day, uh, lot, lots of lots of house stuff that you've had to go through, Man. but you're here, you're sitting down to talk some football. Let's make this the the most stress free environment that we possibly can for you, buddy. Man, I I don't I don't know if that exists right now. I've had trees falling on my fences. I've had pipes bursting in my laundry room. I've I've had quite the literal Christmas day um, so far. <laughs> I just carried over into the day after Christmas now, so it is. It it's been something. I I am glad the Chiefs at least gave me a semi stress free day the uh, day before a game that was kind of nice to watch. You know, I got I had to sit in a Starbucks because the internet in the mountains where I was was down due to the same storm that has caused all these other issues. Um, I had to sit in a Starbucks by myself watching the majority of the Chiefs game. But don't worry, Starbucks closed before it ended, so I had to watch the final like two <laughs> minutes on my phone in the car outside of Starbucks. It was. It was a time. It's been a couple days for me, but I, I'm glad to be back. Thank you guys for holding it down. I'm glad you guys got Tucker on camera for this. Yeah, it, you really had to twist our arms to get Tucker on there. I, anytime I get to talk to Tuck it, it is a great time. So I I had a lot of fun. So we're, we're going to start off a little bit with this past weekend's game. Obviously, not a ton of takeaways from the Seahawks, but... We'll start with the defensive side of the ball, Maddie, because I do think, obviously, there's a lot of positives there. The Chiefs have 10 straight drives where they, you know, basically allow only three points. 
What's your real biggest takeaway from the defensive side from last Saturday's game there, if there is any? And if there's not, I mean, jump off on that. I think um, the pass rush. I, I think I had said one on the pass rush. Um, you know, I wasn't watching in the in the best environment, but it really seemed like it, it was probably the pass rush's best performance to date. It didn't seem like a lot of stuff was coming via blitzes or extra pressure. I mean, yes, there were times where Steve Spagnuolo was sending some extra guys, but that didn't seem to be when they were really getting after Geno Smith. It seemed like a lot of it was the four-man pass rush. And I know Chris Jones was great, but it didn't seem like it was just the Chris Jones show either. It mm -hmm. seemed like everybody was actually having a pretty quality game. Everybody was being disruptive. They were almost taking turns on given drives or plays on who was going to be the guy to win. So like, I think that was a good thing to see. That was a very nice response coming off of uh, Colin Saunders tweets and, you know, everything about, you know, what is everybody talking about with the Chiefs pass rush? Like, I think that stood out to me more than anything else. Um, it, is that kind of what you saw too? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think that, uh, you know, uh, the, the biggest thing is it didn't just have to funnel through the blitz and Chris, just exactly like you said there, you got to see a little more, you know, from, from everybody. And in particular, George Karloftis, who has been a big topic of conversation today. Um, there was going into this week, there was a lot of talk about when he got his pressures. Now, obviously, you know, he's up there with, with all the rookie, you know, pass rushers and pressures. That's good. Uh, most of his pressures, at least he's leading all rookies in pressures that occur after three and a half seconds in the pocket. And for those of you who don't really kind of subscribe to some of the advanced metrics and stuff like that with like ESPN's pass rush win metric that does not like that's not good for that like they expect you to win with your pass rush within two and a half seconds I believe Maddie it might be it, it, something like that yeah it's I'm pretty sure it's that and it's just entirely based on like your positioning versus a blockers mm -hmm. positioning Correct. to the quarterback as well so I don't think it even takes into consider I mean, anything else into consideration what you're doing with the hands if even if you're about to win I think it's just kind of GPS tracking at that exact mm -hmm. moment and it's not pretty if you go by that metric it's it's not it's, it's not pretty for any Spagnuolo defensive end if we're being real. Though the Frank's way climbing. Has, Frank is climbing this year, baby, buddy. Uh, we'll get to Frank. We'll get to Frank here in a little bit. But when you're playing contain, you're playing through the tackle a little bit more. It, you know, it, it's going to look worse. But a lot of those pressures have been coming late in the rep, and that's something it, it's not unexpected. Like uh, that's one of those things that we talked about on draft day, that we talked about before draft day, involving Karloftis. His relentless motor is going to keep him involved in the play until it until it dies and you see that time and time again he is just continuously coming after you but this week wasn't that it, it wasn't that I, I arguably maddie the cleanest pass rush win that we've seen out of him on that sack boy he he absolutely whooped the tackle on that play got into the backfield quick though watching Loftus kind of advance throughout the year We've now seen a, a couple of weeks now here where Karloftis has had some quicker wins. That gives me hope going into you know the the playoffs, and it certainly gives me hope about some of these predictions that we made before the draft or immediately after the draft. You know, saying, "Well, maybe Trey Hendrickson's career path—he's well ahead of that right now. He he really is." 
Yeah, the, that was arguably George Karloff's most impressive pass rush rep of his career. This goes back to college. I mean, this mm-hmm. might have been one of his best because it was actively a one-on-one rep. I believe it was Stone Forsyth at the time. I think Abraham Lucas think was, was out of the game. Yes, uh, but still, I believe so. this is a player that we all kind of liked as a mid-round, you know, day three developmental tackle. And he shows up and he comes out there and George Karloff just, I mean, essentially hits him with just a, just a rip, a club, a rip. And he, he fought through a little bit of sniffness in his hips, but he was able to flip them to face the quarterback mm-hmm. without having to take a bunch of extra steps, without having to really pitter pat his feet to turn the corner like he normally has had to do in the past. It was, it was a very clean rush. It was one of the better ones that I've seen from him. So that was that was fantastic to see to go along with what Brent was saying here about, you know, batting passes down. Like this is something he's great at. Like you, you know, yeah. it's a skill people. So I've had to ask, it's a skill. It's a skill to get up there to recognize when you're not getting pressure. And now, okay, you're getting late pressure. You're not getting home early. You might be in the passing lane a little longer. So like, yes, there's also some of the, you're not winning quickly that goes into batting down passes, but it's still a skill. It's, it takes athleticism. It takes explosion, hand-eye coordination, you put him with Chris Jones and Carlos Dunlap in it. It is kind of hard to throw the ball, you know, short, quick over the middle of the field, like right over this defensive line's head. Cause you had a lot of guys trying to knock down the pass. So good game by Carlos, this good game by the defensive line as a whole, Mike Dana flashed again. Frank Clark yeah. continues to still show up and be better this year than he has been the last couple of years. Like I, I really like what we've seen out of Frank Clark and when you get those games where he is getting a good jump off the ball, he's like the one guy that's providing a little bit of speed rush for the team. It's not consistent. It's not always there, but he still has that ability and the Chiefs really need that come playoff time. So I'm glad that that whole unit seems to be peaking at the right time against a not great offensive line in Seattle, but it's certainly not the same Seattle offensive line that everyone's been complaining about for the past you know decade up until this year. Absolutely. And I, I think that the, the thing with Frank especially is that it's not just we've seen sometimes over the past couple of years where Frank was light, like playing light, but you know, due to injury or due to illness, whatever the case may be playing a little bit light. And so you see maybe a little bit more speed. You see a little bit more juice on some reps. This is consistent. Like you see it popping out in the first, second, third and fourth quarter. And obviously he's playing the run. Well, I mean, George Karloftis looks by comparison like he's got some growth to do playing the run because teams just don't want to run at the other side. So they're throwing a lot at Karloftis. He's still winning plenty. Don't get me wrong. He's playing the run okay. But when, you know, when you've got a rookie that's being thrown everything at him and maybe he's winning 60% of the time versus, you know, when you throw a bunch of stuff at Frank and it just is negative. Like you, you don't want to go at Frank. It looks worse by comparison but he's still a good run defender frank still a good run defender he's still clearly wearing that weight i we are on the cusp here with the chiefs going to the playoffs pass rush the defensive line looking much better elements of it starting to look like it's coming together a little bit a good frank playoff i mean we've seen it before uh, you know th- this is not going to be the first time in a chief's uniform if they get to the playoffs and frank all of a sudden explodes out of nowhere and starts really getting home on some of these rushes now all of a sudden it's going to be well hell that's what he is and that's that's enough that's what they need they want a guy that can win early that can offer that quick win because you know you got guys chris jones is going to win quick on occasion too you got carl loftus it's going to be that relentless it is scary to do all that and then like maddie said 
the ability to get your hands up and affect the pass are still, I think, I still have nightmares about that 2018 defense that got home. Like, it got home. That, that was a great group of pass rushers. And yet, Tom Brady could just go out there and just dink and dunk quick, you know, over and over and over again, and it didn't matter. You get guys get their hands up in the throwing lanes. You've seen them affect it because now it hasn't always been the case, and this is going to kind of transition into their third and longs this year have been terrible for this defense, and they were not terrible <laughs> against the Seahawks. And that's good because it's not like the Seahawks are completely ineffective on third and long. Geno was able to make some throws. They still throw it up to DK and expect him to go get stuff. They still had Noah Fant that can run the seam. They still had the ability to win on third and longs, and they didn't this week against this Chiefs defense. Any little glimmer of hope on that in that situation gives me some faith because they are creating negative plays on first and second downs often enough to where they're getting in third and longs. They're just allowing the op opposition back into it. So a game where they don't do that starts to make me, you know, I, I need to see it again, but also it, it's good. It makes me feel good about it. Well, and, and like, well, we'll talk about it later in the week, but unfortunately they're all, this next test against the Broncos isn't a real one. I mean, I, okay. Take that back. Last time they played, they gave up a lot of third and longs. However, Absolutely, they didn't considered yeah. a real test going for third and long against the Broncos. Maybe the Raiders, they still do have a functioning quarterback to wide receiver connection sometimes. So maybe you can buy a little bit there. I, I, for me, the Seahawks game and third down one, the Chiefs were great on third, fourth down combined, like against the Seahawks. The defense was very good, especially if you, you know, kind of throw out that touchdown drive to in the game where it was essentially over. Um, the only thing is like the only caveat I have, I don't want to wet blanket the whole thing, but maybe like wet washcloth it. They did lose Tyler Lockett, who was their third He's down go-to go receiver. That would be like the Chiefs losing Travis Kelsey on third down and then being like, okay, what are you going to do? Now, do we expect Patrick Mahomes to figure it out? Of course. Do you, should you expect Geno Smith to figure it out in the first game? Eh, probably, probably not, right? So I do think that mattered. It allowed the Chiefs to just send Legereus Sneed to shadow DK Metcalf. And now it was a fight. I don't, I don't, I don't even know how I feel about the move. I like that they were willing to do it. I don't know if I love the move altogether, really, if I'm being honest, but it worked. It let them do something. They at least allowed them to never get matched up with one of their rookies one-on-one -on -one with DK Metcalf. If you did get leveraged out to where you had to play one-on-one, -on -one, you at least feel fine with Legereus Sneed one-on-one -on -one with Metcalf without having to have a safety over the top. So I think the Seattle Seahawks losing Lockett, having Noah Fant be a little banged up, and then you add in the, the weather that maybe could have had some form of effect on throwing the ball. I think things helped lead to the Chiefs' performance on third down, but they were still really good. Like They still played good. The entire secondary played really good. I know you guys talked about it on the postgame show, all the rookie defensive backs coming up and making tackles. Juan Thornhill was able to get his interception. You know, I've almost made another play. I believe it was called back on a penalty, or there was a penalty on that uh, on that play. Like The secondary played, played pretty well. The defensive line played pretty well. Willie Gay had a phenomenal game. He was mm -hmm. he was everywhere, making a lot of plays, and he was playing fast but under control, which isn't always the thing with Willie Gay. He plays fast a lot, just not always under control, and he was. So overall, I, I was very impressed with the defense. I thought they'd good. Actually, the most impressive part, I'm sorry, bouncing all over the place here, when the Seattle Seahawks came out after halftime, they get the field goal going into mm -hmm. halftime. They come out after half, and they punch the Chiefs in the mouth. I mean, like they came mm -hmm. out, and they were running the ball, they were picking up chunk yards on the ground. They were running hard. Cutbacks, they were saying, hey, baby. Cutback lanes. Holy they were. 
And they were even saying, hey, you want to stop me for one to two yards? Guess what? We'll run it again and just make you keep tackling us. And the Chiefs weren't tackling poorly, but they were kind of starting to fit the run a little bad. And they started to have leg tackles, ankle tackles were being broken as guys weren't quite squared up. Like the Seahawks came back and punched them in the mouth to start the second half after gaining a little bit of quote unquote momentum with the field goal. And the Chiefs offense was stalling. The Seahawks offense looked like they were finding some footing. And guess what? That third down defense continued mm-hmm. to show up for the Chiefs and they kept getting back off the field. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's fun. You know, it, it's one of those scenarios where offense occasionally is not going to be able to be perfect. And that was the case this week. And again, also could have been because of weather, whatever the case may be, offense wasn't perfect. You have to have at least some semblance of resistance on the other side of the ball. And it hasn't been there over the past three or four weeks in the way that we all would have expected in the way that we all would have wanted to see with a Spagnolo defense ramping up towards the end of the year. Maybe this is the impetus. Maybe this is the kickoff. Maybe this is what they need to get things right a little bit, get to feel themselves a little bit, get their confidence to where, Hey, we can do this. We can come up with stops. Third down isn't a you know a, a bad down for us anymore. We can win on that down, and we can play better, and we can keep some of the penalties from getting us down a little bit. You know, they, there was another drive that was kind of marred by penalties a little bit. They were able to stiffen up. It wasn't just you know they collapsed on themselves, allowed the Seahawks back into the game the same way that maybe we had seen against the Texans that we had seen after a turnover against the Broncos, it's just good to see enough resistance. And it didn't need to even need to be as good as it was. And it was good, but just enough resistance to make you go, oh, there's that defense. That's that's what you need come playoff time. So let's let's flip over here to the offense. Have you got nothing more on defense, Maddie? I don't think so. I think I think okay. we're I think we're good on the defense there, right? I don't. I think every, we yeah. talked about everybody that was good. Nobody. I don't think anybody on the defense played particularly poorly. So I mean, like, no. yeah, we we covered everything we needed to. I thought you guys did a good job talking about all the rookies too on the on the post game show. This is me. This is me like low key saying I listened. That I unlike yeah. Kent Swanson listened to our podcast. He's not going to listen to this. He's not going to listen to this. He he's just definitely not going to listen to this. You had a drive ahead of you. That's that's what the, that's all that tells me, Maddie. You you were driving back somewhere. That that's all that. Maybe anyway. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's switch over to the offense. Oh boy. I know you have a lot of problems. basically some, some stuff you want to get off your chest about the the number of snaps one of the chiefs wide receivers is playing and his contribution on Sunday, again, it's cold. We saw Marquise Goodwin drop a whole bunch of balls as well, but Justin Watson did not have his best game of the year on Sunday. And it's starting to become a little bit of a trend, Maddie. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas city. KC sports network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network. I'm not gonna even beat around the bush here. Um Justin Watson snaps. I I don't want to say they're all a complete waste because I think he blocks well. I think he provides some level of vertical stretch that has to be somewhat respected. Although the more the year goes on, I'm wondering, does it have to be respected? Like what, what's the upside? What do you expect to happen if you don't respect it? Like you've had a long, a lot of sample size now and the teams that have gotten beat by it um, are one. So do we really have to say it has to be respected? I'm not understanding the Justin Watson experience the experiment. I'm not getting it. I don't understand it. I think we are, I don't have the full numbers right now because I won't be able to see them until after the year. He is trending mm-hmm. to be like at an NFL record for the lowest yards per route run. Like there's going to be, have to be a limit there on routes run, obviously, but like he's going to be one of the lowest we've ever seen for the amount of routes that he's running this year. He just, he's not getting targeted when he is. They're not, they're not successful. You know, everybody got real amped when he beat JC Jackson on that double move, which was awesome. It looked great. Come to find out, JC Jackson was also coming back early from an injury that clearly was still bothering him. He was getting torched every week thereafter until he finally got injured enough again to where he had to miss the rest of the season. So maybe that was as, as much about Justin Watson as it was just, okay, it was a very timely play and not something you can rely on. So to see his role continue to progress, it's not even that it stayed the same. It's not even that he's getting some shots. It's not that he's getting these play action shot plays out of a certain personnel package, but to see his role continue to advance, to continue to progress to the point where he's now getting short and intermediate and third down targets on all sorts of different routes, it's it's absurd. There's just no upside here. Even if these start to convert, are we ever like, are we one? Have we seen anything to say elite ball skills? No. Okay. No. Have we seen anything to say elite route runner? So you expect him to be open? Yes, he was open on some of these, but are we expecting him to be open no matter what? No. And are we expecting him to make a big play once he has the ball in his hands? No. What is the upside for funneling targets and routes to Justin Watson at this point in time? I just I mean, fully don't understand it. It's it's rough, and th- this past week was kind of a culmination of that. Justin Watson hasn't had a reception now since week thirteen against the Bengals, a fifteen yard reception, and that's that's kind of what you see because again, his yards per target is either well above like a, a fifteen or sixteen yards in a game yards per target or zero 
Like there, there's very rarely an in-between. So using him in that intermediate area of the field was a little bit difficult for me to watch this week. I'm, I'm just sitting there, I'm watching, I'm going, man, these are, to me, these are Sky Moore targets. Like these are Juju Smith-Schuster targets. These are Kadarius Tony targets. Like, I mean, like I, I'd like to see them on that. I get why you target him on the vertical plane because he is, explosive he does make when he does catch the ball it's for 15 it's for 20 it's you know they're big plays and that's kind of what mvs is a little bit but mvs still wins underneath often enough to make you go okay well maybe we maybe we don't need to target him in that way it's just rough to watch a game where a guy gets four targets he drops a handful of them. Obviously, one of them well covered by Tariq Woolen. He had the man beat, and that's a good play on the ball by Tariq Woolen. This we would feel a lot different about Justin Watson after this game if that ball is caught. And that's the thing. It it is such a slim margin for error with a guy like that. And then when you use him in those intermediate areas of the field and you're targeting on him on gotta have it downs, I realize defenses know they're going to Kelsey like they know they're going to Kelsey and so you're going to try and bracket him take him away do whatever you can but there are other guys that they've had so much more success targeting Jarek McKinnon Juju Smith-Schuster even MVS like get those guys the ball let them work in space because as it turns out you know targeting this guy repeatedly at this year hasn't been hasn't borne the same fruit that a lot of the other guys I get trying to work him in trying to figure it out before the playoffs. But at this point, I'm I'm almost ready just to say, hey, listen, yeah, he, of course he's going to play. He's played 43% of the snaps. They're not just going to completely remove his snaps from the roster here. But it, it probably needs to scale back a little bit, and we probably need to see a little more Sky Moore, a little more Kadarius Tony in those sorts of roles. I think my even my my larger issue than having so the the uh, total amount of snaps is an issue. Um, but when you combine and you mentioned it, that Justin Watson and MVS share a lot of similar skills and traits. Yeah. The fact that those are your very clearly you know next wide receiver two and wide receiver three in terms of their role and their snap counts, like that's kind of a problem because neither are reliable. Both of them are kind of on the field to block relatively well because they're big bodies and then stretch the field vertically. The problem is, for as great as Patrick Mahomes is, his best asset has not been a long ball to anyone not named Tyreek Hill. That's just not what he does best is throwing in terms of throwing the football. So why are two guys whose entire wide receiver repertoire is built around beating guys vertically? And yes, both are fast, but both are build-up speed guys. Neither one of them are usually winning by 5, 10 yards when these deep routes. You know, they have a couple steps on a cornerback and then they're using their big body to box them out. It requires a well-placed ball up and over the shoulder usually for them to do it. We've seen both of these guys now not always make the best adjustments to footballs to catch them. MVS is a weird one because if he has to adjust over his head and extend his arms out, he's catching it. If he ever it's has to extend in. them down or below his chin, he's not. I mean, it's it's a different, different, he's different. But these two guys need perfectly placed passes on vertical routes, and they're not creating significant separation. They're doing it on long developing plays because they're, you know, longer striders, they build up speed. It's just two guys that don't seem to mesh great with what Patrick Mahomes does, and they're getting a lot of snaps. So you pair those two with a game plan that also sees a lot of Michael Burton playing as a tight end 
and Noah Gray and Travis Kelsey and Blake Bell. And you're getting all these guys on the field together without one Juju Smith-Schuster, who, yeah, he's not the most dynamic receiver, but guess what? When you throw him the football, things seem to work a lot better than other guys or a Tony or a Sky Moore. When you're taking away all the dynamic players and putting out that group of players like the Chiefs like to do a lot for Seattle, whoo, this offense looks ugly. I don't think there's... I don't think it's any da- or like question of why Patrick Mahomes has a decent stat line, but not a great stat line. Depends on how you look through his efficiency. I mean, his QBR was like 34 or something in this game. Be- and it doesn't matter. I'm not saying it means anything, but like right. it's not a surprise when you look at the, the weapons and the personnel packages the Chiefs were using. The longest pass the receiver caught was 13 yards. Like... <laughs> There's a like, you know, there's not, I'm not surprised that there were some struggles offensively when this is the personnel package you're working with. I couldn't be more impressed with Patrick Mahomes watching how MVS or Justin Watson attempt to adjust to any pass and not attempt to get their feet down or unable to stay on their feet because they're asked to rotate, you know, 13 degrees while they're running. Like he, what he's done with this group of guys is impressive. And I, I will before anybody's like screaming at their car radio or at their headphones right now. Yeah, the offense was fine. Andy pulled the reins back on it. We all know that. Like it, it's not like they got up two scores and it's like okay, well let's just shepherd all this in house and make sure that we keep everything there. Um, I do think a, a great point here. Stephen P made it in the chat right now, calling it now. MVS will catch an insane crucial catch in the playoff slash Super Bowl. And that's kind of the difference. Like, I, I think that's the one thing with MVS that you see is that he will step up and make that play. He will come up with that big play. It, we just saw it last week, you know, the previous week, that catch that he made in the end zone was ridiculous. It, it's an insane catch. So you don't we, know when it's coming, but you can set your watch to it. He's going to make correct. a fantastic catch. It's going to happen. Now, yeah. the thing is, though, you can't rely on him, though. You can't rely on him on a play-by-play basis to make the play, but you do know he is going to going to get it back. He is going to make up for yep. it at some point in time. So, like, yeah, you live and die by that one. I just don't know how you then also are going to live if you put the lesser version of that out there for more snaps than him. And, I mean, when, when he's getting essentially the the lion's share of the Demarcus Robinson snaps, like, you're, you're, you're cool with occasionally having a flash here and there. Moving on from the receivers, Matty, um, we we talked about like I could probably gush about that that Patrick Mahomes run like for for the next thirty minutes if I if I wanted to. It's just insane. I'm and I'm so glad that everybody in the locker room was just standing around being like, man, can you believe that dude just continually does it again? How did you think Patrick Mahomes played? Uh, you know. Not great, but fine. I thought the, I thought his placement was a little wonky in this one. He was firing the ball kind of high. He was firing it a, a little hot, probably to some of the receivers. Like I don't think he was playing his best game. I don't think he got any help though. I mean, I think this kind of what we're alluding to with other stuff as well. I think there was a couple drops. MVS couldn't get his feet down on a sideline throw that was wasn't great, but it was catchable. Like you know, you give him a little bit of help on some of these, you know, three Watson drops and some of these just other oh, Kelsey dropped the ball. You know. I, you guys drop passes. That happens. I think that that is going to skew a little bit of what it looks like, but I don't think he played his best game. Um, he was he was fine. He was good. We'll come to, I'm going to circle back to the run in a second because I, I got to talk about it too. Um, I I get Andy Reid pulling the reins back a little bit once they got up, especially 17 to zero or whatever. 
I, I didn't love the offense before then. I thought it was a little, I just thought it was a weird offense. It just, it was one of those weird Andy Reid games where I felt like it seemed like he was trying to put this weird game plan on script because he thought they were going to win. Here's a bunch of heavy personnel. Here's a bunch of weird short passes to non-athletes just because this is what we're going to do. And I think Mahomes was trying to operate in that fashion. He was trying to operate under it, but I, I just don't think it was the best game plan for him and in that game. So it's hard to get much of a read about him from what I think we saw. Yeah, I I'd pretty much agree with that. Still good. Not, not, not his best performance. Certainly not his worst performance. Just kind of one of those, hey, got it done. You know, it, it wasn't like the previous week where it was like, wow, that, that seemed kind of ho-hum and yet he completed 20 straight passes this was more of a yeah he got let down a little bit the stat line's probably better than it showed but not that much better than it showed and then he just goes off and has one highlight real moment that we can get sit there and play and go hey who cares about the rest of it that was awesome Oh man. And that's just it. That run like completely, I don't want to say changes your, the belief of that game, but it changes everything. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, I, that changes, um, you, not your belief, but like your feelings of the game. When you think back of this game, you're not going to think of, Oh, that was a fine Mahomes game that could have been better if he got more help, but also it still was never going to be great. Like that's not going to cross your mind. What you're going to remember is this quarterback scrambling out of the pocket in the red zone, being out leveraged to the sideline by a linebacker, absorbing a hit on his left hip, and then somehow leaving his feet, going airborne, using his hand as a tripod to lean down, keeping his hand at bounds, and then reach for the pylon to make a touchdown. Like that's what you're going to remember. You're going to remember this play that is going to lead off his MVP highlight film. Like when they show it, this play is going to be one of the first three plays you see. It's going to be this run with this dive because it, we use hyperbole a lot when talking about him, but I don't, I can't recall the top of my head seeing a play much like that. It's like the Odell Beckham Jr. catch, right? Yes, someone's going to pull up one and say, hey, Matt, you're wrong. Here's somebody else doing something very similar. Like, oh, yeah, you're right. I still didn't remember it, though. Like, right? Yeah. You're going to remember this. Here's a guy whose body is shaped like a crescent as he's being knocked out of bounds and he's using his hand to stay off the ground while reaching across his body, like with his opposite hand back away from the direction he's being hit and his body's moving to touch the pylon. The athletic feat to do that, like how athletic and just flexible and how much body control you have to have to pull off that play is absolutely insane. I can't imagine the only person happier than like the chiefs, than Mahomes teammates or him himself or Bobby Stroop. Like that's yeah. the only person that was happier about what they just saw. That was more excited was Bobby seeing that. Cause like, yeah, he probably can't point to a specific exercise, but he's going to be like, Nope, I knew he could do it. I know how he was able to do that. And it's just, it was something, it's something crazy to watch. Not even as a football player, just as a, as a body movement athlete, you know, sexual situation and see when, when this MVP conversation happens, when this is all talked about, the conversation is always going to come back to Jalen hurts and what he can do on the ground as well as with his legs, which is a great conversation to have because he, he was, there was a middle stretch of the season there where Jalen hurts was ludicrous, like absolutely well-deserving of being in the conversation here. But Mahomes, see, has enough of these plays that stick out in people's minds like this creating with his legs not just sitting back there with the crazy arm angles and pulling off all that extra stuff but the scrambles the throwing across his body and then the ability to get out in space make guys miss as a runner 
and still be able to dive and make a play like that kind of mitigates the argument a little bit. When, when the discussion is, well, look what he can do with his legs, you just turn on that clip right there, and it's like, look what he can do with his legs. And it's like, well, yeah. Like, and it happens often enough. It's not just, oh, that's a once every year that sort of thing happens. No, it happens frequently enough to where you get to sit back and just be like, hey, listen, man, our guy can do some some insane shit with his legs too. Like he can, and so you're you're just going to have to accept that he is having probably the best year of his career. I mean, I, again, 2018. I, I'm willing to hear the argument that this is on par with it, if not better, when you consider the weapons. And so, I make me yeah. splice this out. Hey, hey, go for it. Hit me with it if you if you've got something here. Go 2018 was better. This year's more impressive. Um. And it's because 2018, nobody was ready for what the Chiefs were doing. Like, nobody was ready for it. It's like, to put up those numbers the way they did as effortlessly as they did, and the fact that the Chiefs weren't having to go balls the wall deep into every fourth quarter that year mm -hmm. as well. Like, there was some a lot more pulling back on what the offense could have put up that year. So, like, I think it was better. Like, just from the outside looking in, when you look back upon history, that was a better season. That's one of the top three seasons any quarterback is ever going to have in the history of the mm -hmm. game. This one, though, as a person that's you know trying to cover the Chiefs and watching every single game year after year is more impressive because of the weapons, because of how they're having to play, because of what other teams are doing, because of the talent of the teams they're playing, of the AFC in general and stuff. And so I, I think that both things can be true, and I think it's kind of how Tom Brady's never been the most talented quarterback in the NFL, but he's the best. I mean, like, he is, in fact, the best, right? Like, and he's not the most talented, though. Like, two things can exist that are in the same realm, but slightly different. It's like, that's, that's all. I just think 2018, I, that's going to be hard to top. There were so many touchdowns, so many yards there, and turnovers. There were, but I mean, you got Tyreek on that team. You got Kareem Hunt on that team. You got Sammy Watkins on that team. You got, you, got I mean, still, young. you got half a Kareem Hunt. That's still the half a Kareem Hunt was worth a whole hell of a lot of yards. And Travis Kelsey, obviously. Now you could make the argument that Travis Kelsey is better now than yeah. he was in 2018 somehow because he's he's just apparently going to defy time and age for a little while here but it it is it is an argument worth having but the fact that he was a unanimous mvp in 2018 i i don't think that there's a way that he doesn't get it this year i understand the hurts argument i i really do and hurts is having a hell of a year but frankly I, Every Hertz ballot is going to have Patrick Mahomes as number two. And I don't know that there will be every Mahomes ballot having Hertz as number two with the ranked system this year. It just, I don't know. What's the path it, to Mahomes not winning the MVP? Do you think one exists? Do you think no. it's Hertz? You don't think one exists? I, I don't think one exists anymore. And I think the fact right. that Hertz is missing a little bit of time, it doesn't really matter what Patrick Mahomes does. Like, he could have a disgusting four interception game against the Broncos. And frankly, I don't think it would matter. I just really don't. At this point, I think that everybody's minds are made up and probably should be made up based on the way that he's performed this year, the way that he has carried. Again, it is an MVP, most valuable player. I don't know that there is a single other quarterback that you could put onto this team and say, hey, go out and try and do this with this set of weapons. I don't think that there's anybody in the league, and there's some really good ones. Josh Allen, 
Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, they're not putting up the numbers that Patrick Mahomes is in this offense. They're just not. It's a it's a very unique skill set that they have built these guys around, and the fact that they traded out so many of the weapons, they traded out the offensive philosophy, they've traded out everything, and he has just adjusted on the fly and gone out and just done it. Like I I, I think that that is so impressive that you can't not give it to him. Okay, so path it to in my opinion the path is burrow or allen lighting up the other one this weekend right lighting them up four touchdowns whatever great game they go out and win they obviously beat them and then they went out with another really good performance so you add another eight touchdowns seven eight touchdowns to their total and they don't throw any more interceptions so you're looking at a you're going to be looking at a similar touchdown to interception ratio of what Patrick Mahomes is going to be then, right? Similar. And it would also have to coincide with Mahomes having another game versus Denver like he did last time. It would have to come with more turnovers. It would have to come with a poor game versus Denver, and then he would have to do that. Now, I'm not making this as an argument of the stats will be better for those guys. I see your brain turning. That's not where I'm going. I'm going to say the (laughs) stats will be close enough that they're going to say, yeah, but look what happened head-to-head. Look what happened when those two played each other look who played better in that moment. I know that's not what MVP boils down to, but you're going to be a voter sitting there looking at Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, see the stat line being close enough, or Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, the stat line's close enough. One of them will have a better record, will be a higher seed than Patrick Mahomes if what I'm uh, the Chiefs would have to lose for the Bengals. But, you know, you would have a better seed, better team, better head-to-head, was better in that matchup. I think that's the only avenue to where he loses. I think there's zero chance he loses to Jalen Hurts. Zero I, no, no. Jalen Hurts, I think, is off the table here. I don't think that Josh Allen is going to do enough. I don't think that Joe Burrow is going to do enough, especially especially since they have to play each other, and those yeah. two defenses have to play each other. Holy! But cow. that's what I think helps them, though. If one does come out and blow it out, like that's True. the only yeah, thing. If no, one no. comes out yeah. and plays great, and Mahomes struggles versus Denver again, you struggle versus the same team again right before everybody votes. I'm playing a little bit. I'm pandering. I'm playing the game a little bit here, but like that's the only path I see, and that has, and that can't be a three touchdowns, one interception performance from these guys. No, no, they have to play lights out versus you know the Bill, you know Burrow or Allen would have to play lights out. But that's the only path. I mean, Hertz is out of it. Watching Minshew go out there and light up the Cowboys secondary, I was like, okay, no, we can end this one. Yeah. All right, that's gonna transition us right over. And to the thing that we're going to close with before we get to our awards this week, let's talk a little playoff picture. Two weeks left in the season. Chiefs have the Denver Broncos, who just fired their head coach, frankly, a few weeks too late. The interim head coach is someone who just rolled into the building. Just rolled into town. Was the clock management expert, so can't wait to see how he manages the clock against the Chiefs. We'll break down that uh, later this week. And then the Chiefs play the Raiders, who are just continually oh raidering right now. So, uh, but however, kind of got my eye on this Chargers game over here because I did predict that the Raiders were going to beat out the Chargers in the division this year. And that is still on the table. Raiders have to run the table, and Chargers have to kind of falter a couple of times here. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Let's look at the playoff picture here. Chiefs are the two seed. Buffalo plays Cincinnati on Monday in one of the biggest games of the season. Right there. 
because it determines playoff seeding for multiple teams here. If Cincinnati wins, the Chiefs have everything to play for in Week 18 if they beat the Broncos. They have the Raiders there. They beat the Raiders. They are the one seed. If they lose, Buffalo can reclaim the one seed. Or if Buffalo loses, Cincinnati can leapfrog them both and get into the one seed. So very important game there. But I want to talk about some of the other teams that are kind of in the vision right or in the running right now. Baltimore Ravens. Maddie. Baltimore Ravens have not had Lamar Jackson for several weeks right now. The defense has kind of been carrying them a little bit with uh, Huntley in the backfield there. Does this team scare you at all? (laughs) You can even put Lamar back there, and I am not scared of this team right now. Um, They just – I'm not – I have never been the biggest Baltimore Ravens believer fan team, whether it's Lamar or not. I think – the team, the building of that team is flawed. They don't have any receivers. They struggled to throw the ball. And when that defense is not playing absolutely lights out, they are going to struggle to win football games, no matter how good Lamar Jackson may play. See the games versus the Chiefs over the years. That said, this year, their defense isn't that good. It's like, yeah, you want to put Lamar Jackson back there? Okay, that's fine. Their offense, one, their offense wasn't great before he got hurt. It's like, let's right. add that in there their wide receiver room has only kind of gotten worse since then because uh they've had more injuries now mark andrews doesn't look the same since he's returned from injury and kind of in and out of the game so it's just no the ravens the ravens don't scare me at all as a chiefs fan especially this year i I don't see that game would not alarm me at all if the chiefs played them in the playoffs so just looking over here mark andrews 747 yards receiving here the number two receiver for the Ravens this year, Demarcus Robinson with 425 Ooh. yards receiving. For reference, imagine if he didn't run backwards. F- that would be fifth on the Chiefs right now. That would slot in behind Jarek McKinnon. And honestly, if McCole Hardman hadn't gotten hurt, it would probably be sixth. Like let's be let's be real here. So they just don't offer the same sort also of also double threat. Justin Watsons. <laughs> yeah, double Justin Watson. Spags has done a really good job against Lamar. Uh, you look back on those games, the game plans have always been good coming out of the gate. Like he, he's done a good job of stopping a lot of that, you know, read option stuff, stopping, stopping a lot of the Greg Roman type stuff. Like it, you've seen him defeat this offense multiple different ways. So yeah, I'm with Maddie here. Frankly, I'm not too terribly scared about him. So let's move on to the next team. It's currently slotted into the playoffs right now as the five seed the los angeles chargers maddie are you scared of the chargers are you more scared of the chargers than you are of than the ravens yes because those i mean these games every year come down to one possession they're close Mm -hmm. it's never easy so on and so forth so yes Yes, I think having to play the Chargers, a team the third time in the year in the playoffs, would absolutely suck. However, we've seen this. We've seen this story enough now. I confidently can say that I expect Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid to beat the Chargers no matter what kind of one-score game this is coming down to. I think that the Chargers are very hot and cold, and they are usually hot versus the Chiefs. They are usually playing some of their best football versus the Chiefs, and it's not been enough. So if they continue to play, even if if they continue to not play their best ball, if they don't show up to Kansas City and play their absolute best, they're getting beat by 
two, three scores. If they keep showing up and playing their best, okay, fine. You just lose by one score like you do every other time right now. Like, I I have all the confidence that the Chiefs will win an ugly, nail-biting game against the Chargers. Doesn't mean I won't stress it during the game, but I have all the confidence the Chiefs will beat them if they play again. Yeah. Uh, the last time that the Chargers scored more than 27 points was losing to the Kansas City. Oh, wait. No, it wasn't. They only scored 27 in that game. Uh, ESPN had backwards there. So uh, they they just don't put up the kind of points. I, I'm kind of with Maddie. The, the three times thing is the part that gives me a little bit of pause because it's hard as hell to beat a team three times. Like, it's it's ridiculously difficult. So I, I th- that's the one that gets me a little bit. Moving on, team that just lost uh, their quarterback to another concussion, what, the third time he's been in concussion protocol this year, the Miami Dolphins. Tua might miss this weekend's matchup against the New England Patriots. And that's something that, you know, the Patriots don't have a good offense, but you get Bill enough time to plan for a backup quarterback. It's going to be painful for, for his, for the opposition there. Miami right now kind of needs to pull a win off to make sure that they keep their playoff spot. And they got the New York jets in week 18 First of all, Maddie, do you think this Dolphins team makes the playoffs? And if so, are you scared of the Dolphins at all? Yes, they make the playoffs based on sheer talent. And I think that Mike McDaniels is good enough that he will find a way to give Bill Belichick problems no matter who's quarterback. One, let's not beat around the bush. uh, Losing Tua hurts a little bit, yes. I don't think that Tua does anything that Mike McDaniel, McDaniels cannot get somebody else to do for that team. I mean, that let's be honest. Tua's really not that impressive. He's in a great system for him. I think they can find, enough, oh, find ways to be successful against the Patriots, against the Jets. Um, so, yeah, I think they'll make the playoffs. Am I afraid of them? I think I messaged you guys last week or the week before and said, hey, I really don't want to play the Dolphins. They look like a team that could really beat, like give the Chiefs a lot of trouble with the way they throw these YOLO balls. Then I watched them play the Packers, and I think I texted you guys and said, hey, hmm, don't really care if the Chiefs play the Dolphins or not. Yeah. They stink. So, like, I don't know where I'm at with the Dolphins. One week they look dangerous, not good, but dangerous. And then the next week they're just not that great. I don't I don't know where I stand. I don't. I, I am still uh, the Dolphins are one of those teams that I watch and I and I look at the offense and I'm like, oh, I see why it doesn't work. Like I, I get why it doesn't work at times, and then I see it work in glimpses, and that makes me go, oh, damn it! I don't want to. I don't want my defense to be playing that. Like I don't want any of the defense to be playing that. You got Jalen Waddle and and Tyree Kill out there. And both of those guys get volume targets. Like it's not one of those. Oh, just roll the safety over Tyreek. Oh crap! Now now you're screwed with Jalen Waddle as well. Mike Gesicki is having a pretty good year as well. I mean, I know that it, he doesn't have a ton of stats there, but you know, it, if you watch him in their offense, he makes a lot of tough stuff go for them. Raheem Mostert has been pretty good for them, but I've actually been really impressed by Maddie. Cover your ears because you don't know who this person is. Jeff Wilson. Chase Jr. Edmonds. No, no, Jeff Wilson uh, Jr. No, I've been really impressed with the way that he's run the ball, you know, since they traded for him. And then on the defensive side of the ball, the more I watch Jalen Phillips, 
the more I'm like, man, I really wish that dude was in Kansas City. There was a player that I really <sighs> loved and I really wanted in Kansas City, and he has just turned it on as a pass rusher. He's turning it into a game wrecker for them. Well, then they, I mean, they add they added Bradley Chubb to go with him, and I don't think Correct. Chubb's a great pass rusher. But you want to give him one on ones, or you want to <laughs> use him and Christian Wilkins to get Jalen Phillips one on ones. Like that, that's what scares me more than the Tyree kill, you know, Waddle thing. Like, right. That's, that is going to hurt teams when Tua can deliver them the ball. The issue is you affect Tua. You're, they're not getting the ball. Right. Give Hill, give a lot of help to Hill. Let Waddle beat you because I don't have the confidence that Waddle's going to beat you. Like, I think it's hit or miss. I don't think he's going to put up, I don't think he's going to put up 305 touchdowns on you. Like I think Tyree kill would if you try to, if you let him. Right. So let Waddle beat you affect Tua but it's the defensive line. It's the pass rush, that pass rush that they can cook up could spell problems. That's why I still have a little bit of pause <laughs> for playing the dolphins. It's not the receivers. It's not the offense. Tua does nothing that can scare me. It's the fact that they have a really good four man pass rush. Now their secondary has played awful this year though. Yes, they have, they, they really have not played well this year, but you get enough game breakers together and the, it doesn't matter. Like, I mean, I, I look at it and I'm like, man, they got, they play a really good game. Like that's one of those that you've got to play an equally good game to run with them. And, and that's, that's kind of the terrifying part about the dolphins moving on from them. Jacksonville Jaguars, my team mm, coming out of the AFC South. Listen, let's not look at the record too much. They're going to win out here and they're going to have a winning Please. record win the AFC South. I, Maddie, I, I think I can speak for both of us. I'm not scared of this team. Like uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence is playing better. Chiefs just face this team. I, they're they're not scary. They're really not. I think the Chiefs will carve them up, especially in the playoffs, because it does look like the Chiefs kind of kept the AFC South close to their vest, and now all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay. Well, one of these teams is coming out. We might have to see them in the playoffs. I I, I don't think the Chiefs are going to struggle with the Jaguars. Um, the, the two things about the Jaguars that like kind of jump out to me is that Doug Peterson's a phenomenal game planning offensive coach. He's like the Steve Spagnuolo of offensive coaches. Better, better. I think he's better coach, but he's like Steve Spagnuolo and that he has great game plans for specific teams when they really, when he really dials it up. Right. So come playoff time, I think Doug Peterson actually could give somebody a lot of trouble. I don't know if that works against the chiefs and Steve Spagnuolo, who's going to match you though. He's going to match you with the same game plan goofiness what are you really going to cook up to beat Steve Spagnuolo, who is going to literally throw kitchen sinks at you in a playoff game, right? So I don't know if that's a huge advantage in this particular one, like it is a lot of other games for Doug Peterson. And two, the one way to really affect Trevor Lawrence is make it a little muddy, get a little pressure. He kind of turns into a pumpkin when that happens. The Chiefs with Steve Spagnuolo are pretty good at that. Jacksonville offensive line isn't great. You can pressure. Like, I feel okay in that regard. That So I'm not scared of playing them. That said, Please win out, Jaguars. Keep the Titans out of the playoffs. I never want to see that team again in my life. The <laughs> NFL made a rule that the Chiefs never had to play a Mike Vrabel-led team, especially while he's coaching the Tennessee Titans ever again. I would full, I would start fundraisers and GoFundMes to get that thing passed. Get Keep the Titans out of the playoffs, Jaguars. Go, go that, Jag. Go Doug. That, that team is falling apart. Like I, We're not even going to talk about them any more than that. They're falling apart, man. They would still no, I know. I get, beat the, I get the worry. The Chiefs win by one point, by a half a point. Yeah, I, I, totally, <laughs> I totally get the worry. We're not even going to talk about them. We're not going to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're not going to talk about the Raiders because, frankly, none of those teams is going to make it to the playoffs. Last two, Matty. 
I'm we're each going to take one of these. I'm going to start with the Patriots who are currently have the leg up over the New York jets. Um, Patriots don't I, like, uh, there's always the looming specter of Bill Belichick there. And you know, you've got a guy in Matthew Judon who's been exceptional this year. So yeah, you want to talk about a game breaker, Josh Uche also 11 and a half sacks. So you got two guys coming off of the edge that can affect the passer. You got guys in the secondary that are going to be well coached because it is a Bill Belichickian team, but it doesn't matter. Like it, it just frankly doesn't matter. Uh, Andy has been able to cut around what Bill Belichick has liked to do in the past. Even when Bill gets him for a half, it doesn't matter. They come right out. They fix it in the second half. Everything is great. It's going to be on Mac Jones. Mac Jones is not beaten this Chiefs team like even a run heavy offense where they play 21 22 personnel all game long and dare the Chiefs base defense to stop them nah it doesn't matter this uh, please give me the Patriots in the playoffs I, I I would love to see them there dirtier player Matt Judon or Mac Jones go Ooh, Mac Jones, because uh, Matt Judon That's at least impressive. has the talent to uh, <laughs> to make me look the other way on some of those. All right, Matty, give me the Jets. Um, you know, if uh, Mike White's playing like they have announced, and like, okay, maybe they're a formidable team, maybe. But then again, there's the same there's the same conversation you just had with the Patriots, minus Belichick. Even great defense, they're going to keep it maybe close enough. But do you really trust Mike White to be the Chiefs? You trust Mike White? and Robert Sala to come up with a game plan to beat Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes? Nah, not in the playoffs. Not when it matters like that. I don't. It could be an ugly game. It could be a game that's not necessarily fun to watch, but I think the Chiefs would come away with it. Like My only concern would be the Chiefs not seeing this team, this iteration of this Jets team and this coaching staff. It'll be something new. Like, yes, Sala was the coach of the 49ers in the Super Bowl, and I mean, hey, we, that was not an easy offensive yeah. performance either. Um, that's not the same level of defense, it's pretty good. It's like, I don't know, scary from it's new, scary because the defense is good and they're going to make it kind of ugly. But like, is Mike White really going to go toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes? I, I don't think so. Bracket Garrett Wilson and then let Mike White try and beat you through the. No, no, no. Because he throws to other players, though. Like, he does throw, throw to, to other Elijah players. Moore. He throws to other players. But when Garrett Wilson has the ball in his hands, like, it's a little scary. So. All right, that's going to cover kind of the playoff picture for all of this realistically. What seed do the Chiefs get? Predict now. Go on record. What one. seed do the Chiefs get? The one seed. Bengals Ooh, beat the, the Bills Bengals this weekend. Taking out the Bills. They're beating the Bills this weekend because, frankly, none of us want to see a Week 18 with the Chiefs beating the Broncos and the Bills beating the Bengals because then none of the top three seeds have anything to play for. <laughs> none of them. Well, no, because the, the Bills would still have to win. Like if the Bills beat the, the Bengals, they still, still have, have to win, win. their final no, week. No, yeah, no, like because they, well, yeah, the, the Chiefs true. won. Yeah, no, the Chiefs. Chiefs no, the Bills have like, to play. No matter Man. what happens, as long as the Chiefs don't lose this week, like everyone's playing next week. Oh, like, gosh. Um, I want the Bing. I want the Bengals to win. Not that Cincinnati's a lot better, but like I don't want to watch anyone go play in one of those snow cold games in Buffalo. Like I get it's kind of cool, but like that's it, it's so bad. It's not like even football anymore. Like it's as just long as it's not my team, I don't care. You you want to go tell another team to go up there and play in yeah, it? But, if the, but I'm saying if the Bills win, the Chiefs might have to. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. We'll see. Give me the Bengals. We got we got Patrick Mahomes. All Third right, Joey B. Let's do uh, let's do our normal oh, awards and all this helmet stickers, butt slaps, and spirits. Um, 
I'll just give Kintz away to um oh let's see. Let's see. Who's his favorite player this week? Helmet sticker to Kadarius Tony uh for opening up the red zone offense a little bit more. There we offering go. a little bit more of that horizontal stuff that we've been talking about for a little while. It's good to see it. It's good to see it work because it really is such a key ingredient of the red zone offense there that that it really is nice to see. And before we toss it to Maddie, you guys throw your game ball kind of in the chat and we'll we'll shout that out as well. Maddie, who's your butt slap go to? Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, um, because there was one wide receiver like that actually did something when the ball was thrown his way and it was Juju Smith-Schuster. It was weird. Anytime the ball went to him, like good things happened. Anytime it went somewhere else, beyond the line of scrimmage literally nothing literally nothing happened on any pass beyond the line of scrimmage to a non juju smith wide receiver zero yards zero yes. yards on a ball beyond the line of scrimmage to a non juju smith schuster so like you know butt slap to him for like keeping the passing attack alive apparently yeah, we got uh, we got an Orlando Brown Jr. in the chat, a Carlos in the chat. That's uh, both of those Thank are good one. Alyssa, I'm with you on this one. Whole ass bottle of vodka to George Karloftis. Best performance as, as a rookie. Some glimpses there of some really truly good stuff there. And yes, I am talking about the sack celebration. Keep that one, George. That one was good. We could do the fencing thing. That's great. Like, let, let's do that one. You've been cycling through them a little bit. That one's my favorite. So just keep that because obviously, if you're going to rush the pass like that, yeah, just, just go ahead and do that. We'll give the game ball out to Orlando Brown Jr. having a really good game. Really good game. We talked him up before the game, talked about how he needed to play a good one against some speed rushers. He did. Really good game for him, Maddie. What before we get out of here, talk about OBJ just a little bit and then we'll dance out yeah. of here. No, no. I I thought the entire offensive line actually played pretty well. Nobody was getting beat deep. Maybe this was part of Andy Reid's weird um decision <laughs> on the game plan of having all these big tight ends and fullbacks playing as wingers and chipping and balls coming out quick to non-athletes because I Maybe this is all part of the game plan. Like I really do need to sit down and rewatch it again. Haven't had a chance to yet. That would make some sense. But live watching, I thought the entire offensive line played pretty well. Trey Smith killed another man. Creed Humphrey out in space is always phenomenal. And Orlando Brown Jr., much like last year, has played a lot better down the stretch this year. He has played a lot better the latter half of the year. I don't want to say, you know, elite offensive tackle, but he's played a lot better down the stretch heading into the playoffs. And the Chiefs need him to. So, like, that's good. That's a good sign. Yeah. Shut down some players in the playoffs. And all of a sudden, that four-time Pro Bowl starts talking just a little bit louder that's gonna do it for us at the casey laboratory this week thank you so much all of you for watching like share subscribe give us a five-star review on itunes spotify wherever it is that you listen to this thing drop those in there makes us look really good shoots us up the charts so we love all of those we appreciate every single one of you taking a little time out of your holiday week to listen to us we will be back in a couple more days here to break down the now interim head coach full for Broncos talking about another AFC West game. Be kind to each other. We'll catch you later. We need more stars and OBJ has pro bowls. Get them in there. Thanks for listening to KC sports network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review. If you like what you heard and think others would as well. 
You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.